0: Will you stand, please? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy the second man is the lord from heaven so this is going to be pretty basic but i just felt that this is what i'm supposed to do today i want to teach you on something and simply entitled the second man the second man if you have a good attitude you can sit down thank god let me read you something from the book of romans chapter 9 Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise, at this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. When you use the word Israel, that word Israel, it's very flexible. It it has a lot of different applications. And uh, especially uh, when you read the Bible... Um. Here's a Genesis chapter 37 And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger In the land of Canaan These are the generations of Jacob Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren and the lad was with the sons of Billah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Watch verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. Most people, when you say Israel, they think of the nation of Israel. But that's where it is now. That's not how it started. It started in Genesis 32 and verse 28. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. It's affirmed By the Lord, this is the angel when he was wrestling. Here's Genesis 35 and 10. And God said unto him, thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called anymore Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. Called his name Israel. So in the beginning, Israel wasn't a nation. It was a man. It was a man. Jacob. The word Jacob means deceiver. (laughs) Who would would give their kid a name like that, you know? Uh, I've never, ever heard anyone call their daughter Jezebel. They may have a nickname like that, but I've never, ever met anybody. Here's my daughter Jezebel. Just even to this day carries a bad connotation. And uh, he was Jacob in the beginning. But when he wrestled with the angel... Changed his name to Israel. I don't want to get real technical here, but the word Israel is a combination of two Hebrew words. And it literally means you wrestled with God and you prevailed. And so in the beginning, Israel wasn't a nation. Israel was a man. So I take you back to Genesis 37. Verse 1 says, And Jacob dwelt, But in verse 3, it says, now Israel loved Joseph. It's talking about his dad. But it's the same guy. Now he's Israel. So now that you have that understanding that Israel in the beginning was a man, you apply that to Romans 9. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel, and it's it's very simple, you know. Um, you've got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Abraham had two boys. The first one was an Isaac. The first one was Ishmael. Isaac had two sons. The first one wasn't Jacob, it was Esau. And, and it's just, I, I don't have time to go into this, but there are so many times in the Bible when it teach talks about something called the seed, the seed. If, if you remember when, when, when God was cursing things in Genesis, he cursed the man, you're going to sweat, you're going to work, A woman, you're going to have sorrow when you're having a child. I was there when my children were born. My my wife wasn't playing Sudoku. I mean, that that was, as all of you moms know. Now, it disappears when that baby starts crying. But boy, up until then, it really is labor. And he curses the man, and he curses the woman, and then he curses the snake. I'm a hillbilly kid, okay? So I got to be real careful because this crazy live stream goes everywhere. I see people on YouTube. Isn't this a beautiful snake? No. <laughs> I hate snakes. I, I, when I was a kid, I, I just shot him. Any snake I saw, you just shoot that dude, man. The Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 12, that dragon, the old serpent, Satan, I don't know. See, God put Adam in the garden. It said to dress it and to keep it. He he didn't keep it. The the serpent should have never been there. He should have kept him out. But, you know, we fuss with women all the time. It's what guys do. You ate the fruit. You're the ones that messed this thing up. Let me tell you what Romans chapter 5 says. For by one man sin entered into the world, not by one woman. When you have a family unit, the responsibility to lead that family spiritually is on the man, not on the woman. Because it says Eve was deceived, but Adam wouldn't. So when Adam bought into the lie, something really bad's going on there. And he curses his snake and he says, you're going to eat dust for the rest of your life. Have you ever seen a snake eat dirt? I haven't. Snakes don't eat dirt. There's something deeper going on here. Bible said man was made of the dust of the ground. And he said to this serpent, you're going to eat a lot of dust. It's basically a prophecy. Satan's going to do everything he can to eat us up. To gobble us up. There's a fascinating verse. I think it's in the book of Luke. It says, and I will give you power over all the power of the enemy. And you will tread on serpents and scorpions. Now in the in English, in King James Bible, it's the same word, power. But in the original language, it's not. It's it's. One, one is exousia and the other is dunamis. And, and one means ability. But the other word means authority. And so what he says is the enemy has ability. But I'm going to give you authority over his ability. And you will tread. <laughs> Hard for a snake to eat anything if you got a size 12 boot on its head. Okay. And I will give you power to try. Remember the Bible said how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel? It's just, you stomp on the thing's head. That way it won't destroy people. We have the authority. Billy Cole told me years ago, Billy Cole was a very famous preacher. But but he told me, he said, I'm not afraid of demons. He said, "I, I have the authority to cast them out in the name of Jesus. He said, what terrifies me is unsanctified flesh. Remember that talks about the fruit of the spirit. It doesn't just talk about the fruit of the spirit. It said, now the works of the flesh are these. That's not the work of Satan. When it talks about anger and bitterness and hatred, malice, that that ain't devils. That's me. That's unsanctified flesh. That's what that is. And you can cast devils out. Now, you don't see it that much in America, but you see it very common outside of this country. And you, you see it occasionally in America. Let's face it, America is becoming more spiritual, but that doesn't mean she's becoming more Christian. You can give yourself to spirits. The Bible said rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. You know what that means? What, what, what is witchcraft? You ever dealt with a witch? I have. And uh, you give yourself to another spirit. That's why rebellion is like witchcraft. You're giving yourself to the wrong spirit. And it's kind of cool, you know. I'll give you the power to step on his head so he won't be able to eat up anybody. We're the dust. We're the dirt. And uh, step on his head. It's going to be pretty much, pretty hard for him to destroy somebody. And uh, It's just again and again. Remember what he said? I'm going to put enmity, which is hatred, between your seed and her seed. I I can quote verse after verse, but we don't have time. We've got to go somewhere right now. But it's just, here's Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Watch. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form or comeliness when they see him. There's no, I don't think Jesus was a gentleman's quarterly model. I, I, I think if you saw Jesus while he ministered on the earth, he wasn't some handsome man. Do you know that there's not one verse in the Bible that talks about Samson's muscles? It's possible. Samson weighed 120 pounds. Skinny little arms. <laughs> not looking like Schwarzenegger, you know. But when you go on, it says that, that he was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. He was despised. Do you know what verse number four says? It's a very famous verse. Born our griefs carried our sorrows, we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. Chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we're healed. Who is that? That's the Lord. That's a prophecy about Jesus Christ. But notice what it says in verse number two. He shall grow up as a tender plant. See, there's this seed all the way through the word of the Lord. But there came a time when the seed bloomed. There came a time when the seed became a plant. Ah, This fascinates me because Mary's God became Mary's baby. But never stopped being Mary's God. He he came, but he was already here, and he left, but he never went away. And the lion became the lamb, but never stopped being the lion. No wonder it says, "Oh, great mystery! It's a seed." And that seed ultimately was the Lord. But listen again. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. You go a little further, you know. Abraham's got two boys. He's got Ishmael. He's got Isaac. There's only three groups in the uh, people in the world who truly believe in one God. Orthodox Jews. Apostolic Pentecostals and Muslims. It's why Jews don't want anything to do with Christianity. One of the reasons. Because a great percentage of Christianity believes in something called the Trinity. They believe there's three persons in God. And if you ever deal with rabbis or any Jewish people, they'll say, you don't even understand the numerical integrity of God. I've asked people, what are you going to see when you go to heaven? What the Bible calls the new Jerusalem. What are you going to see? Are you going to see an old man? And then are you going to see a younger version of the old man who looks like the victim of a tragic farming accident with a lot of scars and a bird, a dove? No, you're going to see what John saw. Revelation, he said, one set on the throne. One seven percent. Okay? You don't have to be a nuclear brain surgeon to figure this out. God is spirit, but there's only one legal liquid that can deal with sin, and that's blood. If God remains spirit, he can't help nobody. But if God takes on flesh and the blood that's in that flesh is shed, see, don't you get it? Jesus didn't have an earthly dad. And a lot of the genetic information for blood comes from the dead. Joseph didn't have anything to do with this. That's why the Bible said in Peter, with the precious blood of Jesus, the word precious in the Greek means very rare. The average human body has 18 pints of blood. He's got 18 pints like everybody else, but it's not like everybody else. There's no sin there. You get what I'm saying? God took on flesh. That's it. I've heard it before. Great is the mystery of God. See there? You can't figure it out. You just accept it by faith. Watch what it says. It doesn't mean it's impossible to figure out. It means it's wonderful. Great is the mystery of God. What's it say? God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ is not Jehovah Jr. He's not the second person in a fictitious trio of beings. He's not. And I believe that. Jews believe there's one God. But Muslims believe there's one God. The difference is, if you've ever read the Quran, they take it through Ishmael. That's why you're paying four bucks for gas. And it's just, <laughs> you've got Ishmael and Isaac. And guess what it says? And it, 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 it's, it's very clear. That is, the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of promise are counted for the seed. And not only this, look at 9 and 10, 9, 10. When Rebecca also had conceived, even by our father Isaac. So who were the children of Isaac and Rebecca? Esau and Jacob. Jacob's not the firstborn. Esau's the firstborn. Jacob's the second. Listen to this verse. But the elder, which is the firstborn, will serve the younger, which is the secondborn. If you know your Bible, that's exactly what happened. Esau comes home and sells his birthright for a bowl of bean soup. And then later on, when the old man, they think he's gonna die. He lived many, many, many years after that. But but, but mom and my, my mother, my mother's right here. She gave me a haircut last night. You should see what Esther does to my neck. When my mom cuts my hair, I mean it's mm, she said Harold Eugene, you got you got the hairiest neck of of any person I've ever seen. Well, the Bible said <laughs> Jacob was a smooth man. <laughs> Esau had the hairy neck. And so mom took some hide and Stuck it under his collar. He found one of his brother's old hunting jackets, or maybe one of them varsity things from high school, you know. And he he comes. In, he think, think of that. Here, here's Jacob coming in. You know. Hi, hi, Dad. <coughs> hi, Daddy. This is Esau. Here's a, here's a, <coughs> here's the soup. And the old man tastes the soup and he goes, "Yep, tastes like tastes those tastes, tastes like Esau's cooking." And he said, come here, man. And he rubbed the back of his neck and said, yep, that's that hairy neck. And he said, ooh, it's that stinky old coat he always wears. Smells like Esau. Tastes like him. Feels like him. But he said, it's the voice of Jacob. <laughs> the old man wasn't dead yet. <laughs> but he overrode his, his reluctance and he blessed Jacob. Hour later, Esau comes in from hunting, gets the tenderloin off the deer, makes the stew, comes into his dad's, here you go, daddy. I made it just like you like it. A lot of spice. What'd daddy say? I already gave the blessing away. You read the book of Hebrews. This is what it says. He sought it carefully with tears. I, I truly believe you should be faithful to church. I, 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 man, are there a lot of verses about that. You know, the Bible said he's magnified in the midst of a congregation. See, there are some things you can only get by yourself, but there are some things you won't get unless you go to church. I'd say, well, yeah, you know, I, I saw some guy like, well, the woods, we're getting, it's hunting season. The woods are my, are my, my chapel, reverend. Okay, but you're going to be weak because see, it's it's like a telescope. If one believer is one power and 10 believers is 10 power, you get a couple hundred people in a room, God gets bigger than he can be when you're by yourself. He's magnified in the midst of the congregation. That's true. And it's just, You know, I've heard people say, oh, magnify the Lord with me. You can't, he's full grown, but you can get closer to him. And if you get closer to him, he don't get any bigger, but your perspective changes. That Bible said, cast the mountain into the sea. Why? There's something bigger than a mountain. It might look really big to you right now, but if you get closer to the Lord, the mountain's nothing. There's a place in the ocean called the Marianas Trench. (laughs) It's miles deep. It has the ability to hold every mountain on this planet. I'm telling you, the God that we serve can absorb every problem and every obstacle that you and I encounter. But you can't keep your eyes on the mountain all the time. You've got to get it on something bigger than the mountain. Watch. The elder serves the younger. Who's that talking about? It's talking about Jacob and Esau. I... I remember, I don't know how many years ago it was. I'm not a man given to dreams, but there have been times in my life when I had one. And I had a dream. I saw the Lord carrying the cross and he fell. And they reached and they just grabbed a man at random from the crowd and told him to pick up the cross. And what stunned me in my dream is the guy that carried the cross was black. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I got my Bible and it talks about this guy named Simon of Cyrene who was in Jerusalem with his two boys, Rufus and Alexander, doing the feast. He just happened to be at the edge of the crowd when Jesus stumbled and fell and they grabbed him. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's two things I want you to learn from that. Number one, I believe God is long-suffering. I believe he's very patient. But I can prove to you that there are things in the Bible that happen one time and they never happen again. And if you miss that one time, you're never gonna get another shot at it. That's why you need to be faithful because it always ought to be good. But there could be that day when it changes your whole life and you're gonna be so glad you were there. The other reason I want you to see is, I, this, we were in the old church when this happened to me. And I remember the next Sunday when I preached that message. And God just has given me all these things through the years. We had families leave the church. The church wasn't big back then, it was 70 people. We had families leave because the pastor's going to let all the black people come. Oh, it's worse than that. <laughs> It's a lot worse than that. There ain't going to be no eight mile in the New Jerusalem. You understand that? There won't be no ghetto in heaven. The other side of the tracks. Bible said there'll be somebody from every tribe. Sounds like Africa to me. Every tongue, every kindred, every culture. That's a real New Testament church. Okay. That's a real New Testament church. I can, this, now this is conjecture on my part. I, I believe this, but I can't prove it. If you go to Acts 13, it said there were teachers and prophets at the church at Antioch. Barnabas was there. It mentions Paul was there. It talks about Manan, who's the half-brother of Herod the Tetrarch. There's four Herods in the Bible. There's Herod Antipas. there's Herod the Great. There's Herod Agrippa the first, Herod Agrippa the second. Now let me show you how stupid these four hillbillies are. Okay. Herod Antipas cut off the head of John the Baptist. Herod the great could have let Jesus go, but he, he crumbled like a cheap suit. Herod Agrippa the first killed the brother of John and was eaten up by bugs. Herod Agrippa the second told Paul, if you'll give me a bribe, I'll let you go. This is the guy that said, you've almost persuaded me to be a Christian. These guys have access to John the Baptist, Jesus, James and John, and the Apostle Paul, and not a one of them can swallow their stinking political pride and be in part of the church. That's, that's dumb hillbillies. You have access to the greatest preachers the world's ever known, but you can't get that. But you, you, you get in that Bible... It says in Acts 13 you got Paul and Barnabas you got Manan, who every other translation says was the half brother of Herod. So remember that thing two roads converged in the woods. I took the one less traveled it made all the difference. But there's two other guys that are mentioned on the ministry team in Antioch. Lucius of Cyrene and this guy named Simon. I personally believe that's the guy that carried the cross of Jesus. The guy that was called Niger. Niger's a river in Africa. But years ago, they twisted that and they added an extra G. And that's where the ugliest word in the English language came from, from here. But I want you to notice that this is Antioch in Syria. Does anybody know where they were first called Christians? Not in Jerusalem The Jerusalem church is all Jews They're first called Christians At Antioch Because the Antioch church In Syria was the first Multicultural church In the early church If we're going to be a real Christian church We need somebody from everywhere That's true we need somebody from everywhere. That's why there are seven no mores in the book of Revelation. Six of them make perfect sense. No more death, no more sickness, no more night, no more tears. But then it says, no more sea. John's on the Alcatraz of his day, a place called Patmos. They don't, you don't need dogs and barbed wire and lights. Why the, the, the currents of the Mediterranean... You try to swim out there, you're just going to drown. (laughs) You know what John is saying? The Bible said he went down to the edge of the ocean. He got as close physically to his brothers and sisters in Christ, which was the church in Ephesus. But there's a sea between him and his brothers and sisters. And what John is saying is one day, nothing's going to separate us. One of these days, nothing's going to come between us. And that's way as long, why as long as Harold is the preacher around here, I want everybody. I want them all. I want them all. I want them all. Hmm. Someone, 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 someone sent me a picture. And they took, somebody took a picture of our lobby. And these people got a hold of it and said, <clears throat> they sent it to me. What a horrible witness for an apostolic church. Look at all, look at, look at what's going to your church. And I just wrote it back, I said, oh, it gets worse than that. We got tattoos, we got wallets with chains on it. We got, we got, I come into church, I smell marijuana, I smell beer. I don't want to come to just church and smell old spice and Chanel number five. I want to come in this church and go, potential converts in the house today. Yep. Somebody here that needs... That's what I want. That's what a church ought to be. <laughs> it's just... I, this, 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 this thing goes on and on. I, Joseph's got two boys. There's this is great story. You know, I know Joseph's 17 when he's sold by his brothers. I know he's 30 years old when he finally gets in front of Pharaoh and he promotes him to be over all the grain. I know there's seven years of plenty, seven years of famine... So the seven years of plenty are gone. So now Joseph has got to be 37 years old. We're probably at least three years into the famine. So I would assume he's at least 40 years old and his brothers come. And when he sees them walk in the back, I've preached on you so many times, but it's so real to me because the Bible said, when those boys walked in that room, it said, and Joseph remembered the dream. Something in all that garbage that he'd been through. Ended up in prison on a trumped up rape charge. It beat the dream out of him. But when he saw them 10 boys walking that door, he knew them bums are going to walk up here and bow down in front of me, just like I saw when I was a teenager. And it happened. And he played that game with them until finally he revealed himself. Bible said the joints of their knees were loosed. I guess so. You know what was the first question? What was the first question that Joseph asked? Is his daddy still alive? Yep, still alive. You read the book of Ephesians, or Galatians rather, 70 souls. Psalms talks about it, New Testament. 70 souls came from land of Israel down into the land of Goshen. They're there for over 400 years. At the head, it's, I guess it's the head, is it the headwaters? It's where the, the, the Nile empties into the Mediterranean. It's the best farmland in Africa. And it's given to Joseph's family, and you read that Bible how that it talks about Pharaoh and Pharaoh met Jacob. Man, would I have loved to have been a fly on the wall when he said, "That boy of yours is something else, man." Whew. Bob and Brenda took my mom down to Ohio see Todd Netsco a couple of days ago. The pastor down there said, "Did you teach Harold how to preach?" And my mother, being mother, said, no, God gave him a gift. But trust me, Esther Gertrude really appreciated it when that preacher said, you got a great preaching son. That's nothing compared to Pharaoh talking to Jacob, that boy of yours, he saved us, buddy. He saved the whole nation. And i glad I had your boy with me. It had to make that old man so proud. And you read, listen, here's Genesis 48. And Israel, Jacob, beheld Joseph's sons and said, Who are these? And he said, These are my boys, daddy. Bring them to me. Verse 10. He can't see. Brought them near. Look at, look at verse 12. He brought them out from between his knees. I was at prayer Monday and and Phil, little boy, was hiding behind his dad's leg looking at me. I said, Hey, get out of here. I want to talk to you. And I just envision these two little kids hiding behind their dad's legs. Who is that? It's grandpa. What's a grandpa? We never had one of those. What a great day it was when Jacob got to see his grandkids. And you read that Bible. How the, he, he, he kissed him and he hugged him. He got a picture. Where is it? Let's see. Jason, come here. So you stand right there, okay? Come up here with me. You're, you're, you're going to be Jacob. I'm going to be Joseph. So I need some kids. Let's see. I need two little boys. Where are you at? Callahan, you in this room? Huh? Are they all doing the other stuff? Okay, watch. So if I'm Joseph and I got Manasseh, he's over here. All right, he's in my left hand. I got Ephraim in my right hand. And I bring them to Grandpa. So you hold your hands out. If I bring, if I bring Ephraim, who's my right hand, goes to Grandpa's left hand. Manasseh's in my left, goes to grandpa's right. But read what it says. They all close their eyes, and grandpa crossed his hands wittingly. So he's putting the right hand of blessing on the second boy. And he's putting the left hand, which is a blessing, but it's lesser, on Manasseh. Read what it says. Thank you, Jason. Joseph opens his eyes in the middle of the prayer, and he says, because I remember what happened to Uncle Esau <laughs> when Daddy put his hand on your head, it was gone, and he's trying to pry his dad's hand off of Ephraim's head. And this is what the old man said: "I, I, I there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing." He said, "This first boy's going to be great, Manasseh, but the second boy is going to be greater, Ephraim." Listen listen to this verse. This is Exodus 7 and 7. And Moses was four score years old. He's 80. And Aaron was four score and three years. He's 83. So who's the firstborn? Aaron. Who's the deliverer? The second boy. This concept comes up again and again. Here's John 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. This is this is a a, a magnificent phrase right there, because if you know your Bible, when Jesus died, Nicodemus begged publicly for the body of Jesus. But when the first time he came, he's sneaking in by night. He's probably what would be a Supreme Court justice in our culture today. And he says, we know God's with you. (laughs) Watch what Jesus, Jesus says five things to Nicodemus. Number one, he says, you gotta be born again, verse three. Let me tell you about churches. Everybody preaches that. Every church preaches, you gotta be born again. But look at the second thing that Jesus told Nicodemus in verse five you gotta be born of water and spirit. Everybody don't preach that. There's a lot of people say, if you wanna get baptized, fine, if you don't. It's, a, it's, just a, it's just an affirmation of what's already. It's just a public display of what's already. That's not what Jesus said. In fact, the Bible says, the like figure wearing the baptism doth now also save us. That, that, this is what Mark 16 says. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not and consequently isn't baptized says he's gonna be damned. That's in red. Harold didn't say that. Somebody greater than, it sounds to me like baptism's a big deal. An infilling of the spirit. It's a big deal. All right. What's the third thing Jesus told Nicodemus? He said, if you're not born of water and spirit, you're not going to see the kingdom. I was taught all my life. Once you get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, you're in the kingdom. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you're not even going to see it until you get baptized and filled with the spirit. The fourth thing is, are you going to enter into the kingdom? See, I, my wife and I, and so many, we didn't teach in Bible study for years. I've been pastor of this church for 35 years. We baptized thousands of people in 35 years. Where are they? Are you telling me that their sins didn't get washed away? Are you telling me they didn't get really great, A homogenized 100% Holy Ghost? I don't believe that. I think the blood of the Lord in his name washed their sins away. I think they really did get the Holy Ghost. Here's the problem with that. If you're gonna serve the Lord, sooner or later, there's gonna be a crisis. And you're gonna say this, am I gonna enter what I see? Years ago, I taught a Bible study a guy named Dave Roos. 12 lessons, search for truth. (laughs) Three months. I'm in his house on Thursday. After three months of teaching this guy every Thursday, nothing, Squadouche. That's Hebrew for nothing, okay? I'll save you four years of Bible school, okay? So I said, Dave, I went a little fast the first time. Let's do it again, but go slower. And he said, okay, I do 12 more weeks, six months I'm in this house on Thursday night. Nothing. <laughs> Zip, zilch, nada, kaput. So I, he said, I said, would you like to go on? He said, yeah, I like it. So I took my Wednesday night Bible studies, just changed it a little bit, taught it in his house. Just, I just wanted to keep going in his house. I'm there eight months. After eight months, he said, I get it, pastor. You think I'm lost. <laughs> and this is what he said to me. I'm a good guy. I, I'm faithful to my wife. I, 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 I work, I pay our bills. And then he tripped up. He said, I don't smoke and I don't drink. And he had a little boy named Dougie who had a speech impediment. And he said, oh, yeah, you do, Dad. You got Bud White in the fridge white right now. <laughs> and he ran to the refrigerator, opened the door, said, look, Pastor Hoffman, look got my Bud White. <laughs> and that's how I won Dave when he realized he wasn't what he thought he was. Because I'm telling you, you can get baptized, filled with the whole, that's the birth message. That's not the grown-up message. And what you have to understand is once you're baptized and filled with the spirit, sooner or later, there's, you're going to go, I, I think they want me to change. I can't tell you how many times through the years, pastor, people tell me, you know what, pastor? I've always been that way. Don't tell me that. The Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. I'll give you some hope for that. Those are present progressive verbs in the Greek language. It could be interpreted this way. Old things are passing away. All things are becoming new. Let me tell you something I learned about pastoring this church. If you're not honest, you won't last here. You can be messed up. You can have all kinds of problems. That's fine because it's okay to come to this church if you're not okay. But I tell you what, never survives in this church, lying and deception and playing hide and seek. Sooner or later, the word of the Lord is going to confront you and you're going to have to decide, am I going to enter the kingdom or not? I got baptized, I got the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean you're in the kingdom. You have to decide if you're going to enter the kingdom way of life because it's completely opposite than the world that we're a part of right now. It's diametrically opposed from the world that we're in. You get it, born again, born again of water and spirit. Once you're born of water and spirit, you'll see the kingdom. Number four, then you're going to have to decide if you're going to enter it. Here's the fifth thing. Watch for the wind, Nick. You don't know where it came from. You have no idea where it's going. Watch. So is everyone that's born of the spirit. Before I finish, let, let me give you this insight into what I personally believe is the most misconstrued verse in the Bible. Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. It'll go on teaching them to observe. Here's my question. Who is he talking to? The answer is in verse 16. Three verses before this, it said, and then the 11 that went with him. So watch. I'll go to Acts chapter 1, and and I'll count. Acts 1 and verse 13. And when they were come in, they went into an upper room where abode both Peter 1, James 2, John 3, Andrew 4, Philip 5, Thomas 6, Bartholomew 7, Matthew 8, James the son of Alphaeus 9, Simon Zelotes 10. And Judas, the brother of James, 11. Not Judas Iscariot. There's one verse, I forget where it is, and it. it said, the other Judas. <laughs> There's 11. Why? Because Judas Iscariot committed suicide. This is Acts 1 and 13. These all continued with one accord and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, watch this, and with his brothers. See, this won't make any sense until you study Matthew 13. They said, isn't this, isn't his mom, Mary? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Aren't these his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? So you see what I'm saying? It says, it goes on to say in Acts chapter one, and the number of them, verse 15, was about 120. Could have been 118, could have been 122. It's a guess, but for less than sake, I'll say 120, okay? Let's say his guess was right. I know 16 names. I've got the 11 disciples that I can prove. I got Mary, that's 12. And I've got four, the names of four of his brothers, 16. There's 104 I don't have names for. And again, conjecture on my part, but I'm right. I'm right. Because it says i tell you who I think was in that 104, Nicodemus. And I'll tell you why I believe that. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come and they were all with one accord in one place, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled all the house. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the spirit gave utterance. (laughs) I think Nick was there going, yep, that's what he told me to listen for. So is everyone that's born of the spirit. Jesus told me, I don't know where it came from. Don't know where it's gone, but I'm sure going to know when it's there and it's here. Wow. Amen. What are you saying, pastor? I, this is my mother, Esther. She's amazing. Amen. We buried my dad two years ago. My mom never complains, never. She's tough, boy, but I know she gets lonely sometimes. I was sneaking down the stairs the other night to work on a project for Renee and I heard my mom down there laying on the... It wasn't Monday night prayer, but my mom down there with that old thumbed Bible hers laying on the floor praying. I got a godly mom. She got me here, but she couldn't get me there. I needed to be another man. (laughs) See, because the first birth... You had nothing to say about the first time you were born, but you got everything to say about the second time you're born. It's that second man. It's that second woman. It's not Ishmael, it's Isaac. It's not Esau, it's Jacob. It's not Manasseh, it's Ephraim. It's not Aaron, it's Moses. And whoever you used to be, you need to be born again. You need to be born again. That's right. (laughs) This is what, stand with me. Jesus said, don't be amazed at what I'm telling you. You need to be born again. Have you ever been baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? See, I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm a grandpa. I'm a pastor. That's not my name. The name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost is not Father, Son, Holy Ghost. That's why in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, is the first? You would think the first sermon preached in the in the church it ought to be a big deal, wasn't Peter there in Matthew twenty-eight when Jesus said, "Go teach and preach and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost"? Didn't he wasn't he there? Then why in the world in Acts two thirty-eight, the first time that Peter got to preach, he said, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ." Why? Because he wasn't repeating the words of Jesus. He was obeying them. The name is Jesus Christ. And that's, have you ever said, we we baptized a man, what, two weeks ago, a week ago? (laughs) He he got baptized as an infant. He got sprinkled another time in another church. He told me, he said, Pastor, third time's a charm. He said, I see it. I see it. You read the book of Acts chapter 19. These are, these are the original Baptists. They were baptized by John the Baptist. And Paul said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they go, man, we don't even know when we get the Holy Ghost. 18 years before they'd been baptized by John the Baptist. Who baptized for repentance. Not remission of sins. The Bible said he found disciples. Disciplined people. Christians I don't know if they are Christians but they were disciplined with their religious conduct and character he said don't you remember what John the Baptist preached somebody was coming after him greater than he was John said he wasn't even worthy to untie his shoes he said that guy came his name is Jesus Christ watch what it says when they heard this they got baptized again I mean, hey, man, John the Baptist baptized me. Big deal. Have you been water baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins? Have you been filled with the Spirit? So filled with it. See, you read the book of James. There's five chapters in the book of James. It's all talking about your your speech, your tongue. It says a very small rudder controls a big boat. A very small bit controls a big horse. It said your tongue ain't very big, but it can start a great fire. How can you legitimately say God has totally controlled your life if he's never controlled the most difficult thing to control, which is your mouth? I believe you're a vessel. Bible calls us a vessel. I think he fills you to hear and comes out of the last aperture, the last opening. When God can take your tongue and magnify himself in a language you don't know, that's power. You ever had that experience come with me come with me around an altar I won't embarrass you I just uh, just just come with me just please just this just this consecration of the Lord just just showing the enemy of your soul I'm moving today I'm not staying where I was just just come with me come with me amen come with me praise God if you're here as a family fine Put your, put your hand on your children. Put your hand on them. The others, use discretion, you know. Brother to brother, sister to sister. I've seen guys in church, they just prayed for the women. They don't, hmm. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, these are my brothers and my sisters. I'm going to do the very best I can to love them. But I have never shed blood for them never had holes drilled in my wrist or in my ankles. I've never had my back ripped apart. I've never had somebody drive thorns into my head or stick a spear in my side. Do you love these people more than, than than I could possibly love them? And we're in your house right now. I've done my best to preach your word. And I'm asking you, Jesus, your, your word said I would fain tear it out. But it was a barbed shaft want to put a hook in somebody today Lord I want that word to just grab them and say I need to be buried in your name I need to be filled with your spirit and when I am I need to be ready to make the choice I'm going to live the kingdom way of life I'm not going to be the same old person just the old guy baptized in Jesus name and thinking a tongue I'm not going to be the same old woman just being a tongue talker now I'm changing Lord I'm changing my address changing my location. I'm, I'm, I'm moving up to another level into another realm. Lord Jesus, I'm a common man. I have no power of my own. But your word says I got power when you filled me with your spirit. And it says freely I have received, now freely give away. Lord, by your stripes we're healed. If there are people in this room right now that are sick in their body, By the authority of the word of God and the power of the name, Jesus. I'm asking you to heal their body right now. People that are watching us, God, all across the country. People that are sick right now watching us. By the authority of the word of God and the power of the name, Jesus. Lord, to build a church in this city that will magnify you and that gains a reputation. Go to church there. There's healing in that house. Go to church there. There's repair and restoration in that house. Go to that place. God will fill you with his spirit. He'll baptize you your new name and you never felt him so good in all of your life. I pray for every family that's in this room right now. Come against anything that would try to divide. Anything that would try to just put one at, at, at odds to the other. Lord, we make a promise and a pledge around this altar. We're going to have a foundation of your word. And we're going to have a hedge of protection around us. And a canopy of submission over us. And I believe if we'll do those things, Lord. Said we'll be on top and never the bottom. You said we'd be the head, never the tail. You said we'd be the lender, never the borrower. You said you'd bless our basket and you bless the store the basket came from. You said you bless us when we get up, you'd bless us when we sit down. You'd bless us when we lie down, you bless us when we wake up. Father, let this be a place of strength. Second men, second women. We're not amazed that you said be born again. In Jesus' name. Let's thank Him together, shall we?